Well, welcome to See Here Love. I'm your host, Melinda Estabrooks, and this is our third stop on our coast-to-coast conversations across Canada, and we are in the mighty and strong Saskatchewan, and I'm joined by and with my beautiful co-host, Anne Miranda. Hi, Anne. How are you in British Columbia? Hi, Mel. It's good. I'm so good. The sun is shining. Finally, you know, we're living in a rainforest, really, in British Columbia, so we get a lot of rain, but today is beautiful and sunny. Yeah, it's been beautiful here in Ontario, and uh, I did some gardening this weekend, which was great, but hey, let me ask you this. So currently, today, and over the weekend, what have you been reflecting on um, that really pertains to as we kind of go across Canada to hear the stories of everyday women? What have you been reflecting on? lately this has been an interesting week you know like this has been such an interesting time um i've been there's so many things i feel like that are buzzing through my mind i actually took some time on the weekend and just walked outside and it was raining and my whole family went what you're walking out in the rain i'm like yeah like without an umbrella like i just needed to it was like the the written clouds are crying and I could just let myself cry too. And, and I think what I've been reflecting on is entering, it's hard to put words to it, but entering into um, some areas that I didn't even think were there in my mind, in my insecurities, in my, um, my psyche really, where I have taken myself to a blast of the past. For me, working with multiculturalism and racism and inclusion, and this topic is, is a hot topic. It actually uh, was a catalyst for me to work in government starting at 13 years old and in multiculturalism BC. And I kind of remembered myself as this young teenager walking the streets of Vancouver um, with peaceful protests and this kind of thing. So I I was sitting in this tension going, really, God, really, are we still here now? Now, it just, it felt like there's progress, but is there really progress? And so I think I've been reflecting on the tensions. Yeah, I have felt, and when I say gardening, the reason why I was gardening and I was learning how to do scootering with my 13-year-old daughter while my husband and my 15-year-old son skateboarded was because in those moments that I needed a bit of, you know, hands in the dirt and screaming at the top of my lungs is about to wipe out huge on the sidewalk. It was, I had to balance the tension and heaviness and the tiredness that I've been feeling in what's happening right now. And so I am so thankful that we have four amazing guests that are gonna be able to talk about, you know, courage and inclusion And it's so needed to hear in our country and in the world on how to make sense of it, what we're doing. And uh, I think it's a really important conversation. So I'm really excited to hear this because I I need some more women to kind of talk about and find a safe place to, to talk through these hard issues. So I'm so glad that we have with us Jocelyn Effa, Kim Cooper, Shar Queering, and Kali Wood with us today and ladies i'm so so glad that you're here from saskatchewan so let's start with jocelyn how about you just do a quick introduction and where you are living now in saskatchewan okay so i'm jocelyn and i'm married and i have two kids so i have a three-year-old girl and i have a one-year-old son so super busy and i'm hoping like they can all stay downstairs um (laughs) but i work as a nurse in the operating room and then on top of that i just dabble in all kinds of things like photography and blogging and yeah 
So that's a little bit about me. Wow. Well, welcome, Jocelyn. It's great to have you with us. Yes. And I am in Saskatoon. <laughs> Saskatoon. Okay, perfect. All right. Welcome. Well, Kim Cooper. Hi, Kim. Hello. Thanks All for right. having me. Little, yes. Well, a little bit about you. Yeah. So um, my husband, Greg, and I live in Eston, Saskatchewan, a town of about a thousand people. So small town, that's pretty much Saskatchewan for you. have got a few big cities and then lots of little towns. Um, we pastor here at our local church. I am a small business owner. I'm a hairstylist, so I am just getting back to work and opening up my studio again, which is fantastic. Everybody's very happy. And I also work for our, uh, our denomination, our Fellowship of Churches, uh, Apostolic Church of Pentecost. And so I am the next-gen catalyst for them. So I work with young leaders across our nation, getting them engaged and equipped and released uh, to find their full potential in leadership. So that's really fun. Amazing. I have three kids, 12, 10, and 6. <laughs> wow. Well, Kim, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Shar Queering, let's hear from you. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, my kids are a little bit older. I've got three and they're all in their 20s and they're all married. So our family has expanded in the last few years. Um, uh, my husband has a, a business that I've helped him with over the years. But in the last five years, I've been the ministry leader of Sisterhood YXC here in Saskatoon. So something exciting and, and new and um, yeah, just been stepping into that. So thank you for having me today. I'm excited to hear this conversation and learn from all of you. Yeah, me too. Thanks, Char. And finally, Kali Wood. Welcome, Kali. Hi, Melinda. Thanks for having me. Hi, Anne. How are you doing? Hey. Um, I'm from uh, Moosha, Saskatchewan, and uh, my home community is Carrie the Kettle First Nation. And I'm really excited to, uh, to be a part of this. Uh, I'm a, a sister, an aunt, uh, a mother, a kukum, and a follower of Jesus Christ. And I I am very excited for the conversation that's going to happen here today. Uh, I do work for the government of Saskatchewan, and I also have my own company called Converging Pathways that is really about reconciliation and bringing Indigenous and non-Indigenous people together in a good way. So, mm. yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, before we get into our conversation, I wanted to give you an opportunity to show off your knowledge of your great province. <laughs> and you're like... <laughs> So I pulled up some really great Saskatchewan trivia. And if you know it, raise your hand. And if you don't, look away from the camera. No, I'm just kidding. It <laughs> happened before. People kind of looked away, shifted their eyes. So here we go. Raise your hand and uh, let me know if you know this. So question one about Saskatchewan. There is a lake in Saskatchewan where it is impossible to sink. It is so rich in minerals that people float. It is said that the lake is three times saltier than the Dead Sea, making it impossible for a person to sink. What is the name of the lake? What? Oh, Shar, Shar. I think I might know. Okay. Redberry, Redberry Lake? No. No. Okay. Nope. It's a salt nope. lake, so. Manitou Lake. Yes. Lake Manitou is the lake. And I didn't even know that. I actually want to go now. I'm like, oh, I don't have to go to the Dead Sea. I've been in the Dead Sea. But now I can just go to Saskatchewan and go to Lake Manitou and have the same experience. It's amazing. Lake Manitou. Okay, here we go. Second question. Saskatchewan produces over 54% of which crop grown in Canada? Oh, sorry. <laughs> I do know this one. It's wheat. Yes. Ding, 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 ding. It's wheat. 
Other crops include, you guys are just full of great things here. Other crops that you do are canola, rye, oats, barley, and flaxseed. So, wow, I had no idea this, that all of that comes out of Saskatchewan, but you're right, 54% of the crop grown in Canada is wheat. Okay, amazing. Okay, next question. They are found in the northwest corner of Saskatchewan near the Northwest Territories and is the most northerly active sand dune formation in the world. What are these sand dunes called? Who knows it? The sand dunes that are the most northerly active sand dune formation in the world. Does anybody know the sand dune in Saskatchewan? And they look amazing. I actually want to like, like, get a, like a, a, not a towel, but something like slippery and like slide down. Anybody know the name of them? Okay. Anne, do you know from BC? <laughs> can, can I get a helpline? Yeah, chat, I, know. I know. I said, I know. Room is saying Sand Hills. The chat room saying Sand Hills, but I don't know. I, oh, sorry. Sand Hills. Okay. They are called the Athabasca Sand Dunes which look amazing. So, okay, there's a lot of great things in Saskatchewan. I'm like, I gotta head over there and uh, have some fun. Okay, next question, here you go. There is a good chance the next time you are putting this on your hot dog or hamburger, it comes from Saskatchewan. Oh, Kim, Mustard, mustard. woo! I had no idea. What's that? I think we produce about 90% of Canada's mustard. Yeah, I have 75%, but I'll give you 90. A production of mustard in Canada comes from Saskatchewan. Who knew? Amazed. Thank you for mustard, you guys. Like, we appreciate that. Okay, uh, two more questions. There are more of these in Saskatchewan than in any other province in Canada. Oh, Kim. Lakes. Nope. Something else. There are more of these in Saskatchewan than in any other province in Canada. Anybody guessing? Okay, okay. No guesses? The chat room guesses gophers. <laughs> gophers is close. Not really. Roads. According to highways and infrastructure, there are 26,000 kilometers of highways in your province. A total road surface of 160,000 kilometers, enough to circle the equator four times. You guys have a lot of roads. I had no idea. That's amazing. Okay, no kind of last one. I think you guys should get this one. Name the official flower of Saskatchewan. Oh, Kim? It's the wood lily. Not the tiger lily, but the red wood red lily. Wood yeah, there's yeah, the, and Kali, you have it too? Yeah. The yeah, the western red lily is your official flower. Okay, not bad, not bad. <laughs> Maybe after this conversation. <laughs> We all can start looking about for trivia versus Saskatchewan. <laughs> but it's, it's fascinating, though. I love knowing about what each province holds and who they are and what's going on there. I had no idea, especially from someone from Ontario. It's amazing. In that, I want to move to the first question for all of you. What is something unique about Saskatchewan, where you live, that you just love and enjoy? Let's start with Kali. What, what, would you, what do you just love about Moose Jaw and just where you live? I think for me, and I mean, not just for Saskatchewan and Canadians and in Moose Jaw, but uh, our, our, our Canadian snowbirds. Um, they've had a difficult couple of weeks here and we welcome them home, which very much fits into what we're doing here. We welcomed them home last week. Um, and, you know, the whole community came together and 
everyone did hearts and welcomed them visually to the, you know, so they can heal and, and go forward. But they are definitely heroes in, in Canada and definitely in Saskatchewan and definitely in our city. So it was a, it was a, uh, a sad welcome home, but uh, nice to have them back here on, on ground. Mm, that's beautiful, Colleen. Thank you, the snow yeah. yeah, wonderful. Jocelyn, what about for you? Um, I'm the person that was like, oh, I don't want to live in Saskatchewan. I want to be in the mountains. But um, <laughs> the one thing I absolutely love about at least Saskatoon is our summers are so beautiful. We have so many lakes. So I definitely feel like you cannot beat a summer of food and lakes in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, at least. <laughs> That's awesome. That's beautiful. The lakes, which is what Kim said. We thought it was like lakes. You had more lakes. It was roads. But I have heard that you have a ton of beautiful lakes that you yes. have out on. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you. Okay, Kim, what about you? Well, I, like I said, I live totally in secluded rural Saskatchewan. And so obviously our sunsets are phenomenal. Mm -hmm. But when I was thinking about it, I was thinking about how much I... I've lived in, I grew up in Alberta and I love Alberta, but the people in Saskatchewan are just so friendly. And so when we moved to Eston, well, actually when we moved to North Battleford, my kids were like, um, how come everybody waves? Do you know all these people? And so the farmer wave, you all know it, right? Mm -hmm. right they're holding on to the steering wheel and they just, <laughs> everybody waves. <laughs> I love that. I should start that in Ontario, but I don't know what the reception would be for that if I just started doing the farmer wave down down the highway in, in Toronto. I'll try it, Kim. We'll see. We'll okay. see if it works the same way it does in Saskatchewan. <laughs> That's awesome. That's great. Shar, what about you? What do you love about Saskatoon and, and Saskatchewan? Yeah, well, I grew up in Ontario, southern Ontario, and I moved when I got married to Saskatoon, and I would have to agree with Kim the people are amazing um, very friendly just a, a real genuine small town feel um, and helping each other out but I love the river too the river is accessible to everyone and especially spring summer fall there's just miles and miles of paths that are really beautiful and people are on there all the time so those are kind of my favorites Okay, so what I'm hearing, it's beautiful. Snowbirds, lakes, sunsets, the people, the rivers. I mean, it's time for a vacation in Saskatchewan. For anybody outside of Saskatchewan, I think it's time for us to do a visit because it just sounds so, so beautiful. So we'll definitely I'll have to. And we're going to have to definitely go there at some point. In the summer, please. Because in the summer, I'm <laughs> heading to Saskatchewan. If it's minus 50, you feel like your teeth are <laughs> I love it. But the warmth of the people make the up for the, the cold people. of the weather. It totally. may be cold outside, but the warmth of the people inside is, like, worth it. That's actually good. That's the new motto for Saskatchewan. Well, thanks for sharing that. I just love to hear what you love about the province that you live in. I think that's so important that where you live, you love. And if you don't, then you find places and ways to really love and dig into, into the space that God has put you. And today, I think more than ever, the topics that we're talking about are really important for us to discuss and to listen to, as well as for what is happening currently. And so today, the two topics that we're going to be talking about are courage, 
courage to do the hard thing and inclusion that everybody belongs to the table and that we as women who follow Jesus are to invite all those uh, to our table. And I know these two topics are important to hear it, see, hear, love to us because those are two of our core values that we kind of measure our shows and discussions with. And I know those two topics and themes are really important to each one of you. So I wanna start off with courage. I wanna hear uh, an instance where for you as a woman here in Saskatchewan, you demonstrated courage in doing the hard thing. But maybe it wasn't, it wasn't the popular thing. It wasn't the thing that people thought you should do or liked what you did, but you did it because you were deeply convicted or knew that it was right. So I want to start off, Kim, let me start off with you. Just maybe share an instance on where you demonstrated great courage. So uh, we've lived here in Eston for about six years now. And um, before that, we lived in North Battleford, Saskatchewan. And my <clears throat> husband and I uh, actually ran a home for teenage girls that uh, would be placed with us from the Ministry of Social Services. And so I had two kids of my own at that time. And at any given moment, I could have three to five teenage girls living with us. Um, it was a fantastic time in my life, obviously stretching and, and trying. Um, it was, I feel it was one of the best jobs most suited to my personality and my giftings. Um, but as we were, um, I was driving home from my parents one day and I, and Greg and I had been discussing what would happen next. What, what was our next move? What were we going to be doing? What was the Lord directing us to do? And I really felt that he told me that we needed to move to Eston for my husband to um, pursue finishing his degree um, just so that he could move forward in what he was feeling called to do. And so um, as we prepared to do that, um, I, I was pregnant. Um, we ended up um, having my husband, uh, we thought he was struggling with cancer. Like we thought we, we were waiting for that diagnosis. Um, he had a mass in his lung. Um, I quit my job. I um, had to grieve the loss of, of the job that I loved. And not only that, but also um, saying goodbye to those girls who had called me mom. Um, who had been a part of their their lives for some of them lived with us for over two years, two and a half years. And so, but I, I really felt the sense in my spirit that the Lord was trying, was moving us on to something new. But what we were doing was so good and so needed, but I had to trust that God had something that we needed to do. And, and it didn't make sense. It didn't make sense for us to move. I've, I have never had closer friends than the ones I had in North Battleford. And it was really tough and I grieved. But through this whole season, even in this season where we've been dealing with COVID and being stuck at home, and as we've been pastoring our church and our community, this verse keeps coming up to me in Jeremiah 17, 7. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along the riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. 
And these trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by the long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. And so I've just been really encouraged and, and it seems as though each time that I need to make a decision and it's the decision that doesn't make sense to the world, um, when I trust and I have my confidence in God and listen to what he's asking me to do, it's those times that I've had the greatest um, amount of stretching, growing, and the most amount of fruit. And so, um, yeah, I, that took a lot of confidence and a lot of guts, and it was not easy to leave what I was doing, but so grateful that we did. Um, because we've had just such an awesome time here in Eston and, and God is on the move. Yeah. Good. Thank you for sharing that. And oh, no, this, this is it's, it's hard to be courageous, right? When things are going good and when things are like really difficult. And so uh, Jocelyn, let's hear from you. What are some things there? Just a, a short story, something where you had to be courageous. Yeah, so <laughs> I was trying to think about it, and I was like, oh, I don't have, like, an interesting story or anything, you know, super crazy, um, but Char was super helpful in helping me kind of um, find something. Um, so something more recent for me was obviously being a nurse and having, um, I was on that leave, and um, making that decision to go back to work during this time. Um Obviously, it wasn't something we made lightly because going back to work might have meant not living with my family, leaving my kids. And, you know, will my son remember me if I'm gone like a month at a time? You know, he's so young. Um, so my husband and I prayed about it. And I spoke to family. And um, the one verse that my dad said to me was Psalms 91. And I just want to quickly read on it. It says, a thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. And not that like COVID is a punishment, but just that whole entire chapter talking about just the shelter of God. Um, and so I really felt at peace in making that decision to go because I felt that no matter what, even if I were to get the virus and God's will was that I wouldn't make it through the virus, that that was his will. Um, so yeah, it was a tough decision to make, but as a Christian, I felt it was the right thing to do and I wanted to serve in that way and also serve my family in that way financially. So yeah, it definitely took a lot of courage and going into an unknown and still an unknown, but yeah. Jocelyn, I love how you're like, I didn't really have a story about courage. Like I, <laughs> I don't know. And then you're like, and we're all like, what? Uh, you're a nurse and you just stepped in to serve people during this like pandemic. It's like, that's huge huge that's mm. huge courage wow and like like I said I said to my husband I still feel silly saying that because Saskatchewan like I'm sure you've seen the numbers doesn't isn't struggling with as bad as other places um and yeah so I want to note that that you know God ha has answered my prayer in that I am in a safe environment so I do feel very safe and I feel that is his provision as well and that I'm thankful to be in a safe area even though there's still risk so yeah I was like oh I feel silly I don't know if it's a story of courage but but hopefully <laughs> oh yeah absolutely, yes. absolutely. Yes. and thank you thank you for your courage in that and thank you for your great mm -hmm. work um, as a frontline worker we so appreciate you Char, why don't we hear from you? What's something that you needed to do that was difficult, hard, 
things. Yeah. When I was thinking about this too, um, there are many things um, that, that take courage in, in our daily lives and over the years, but something in the last few years was um, really stepping out of what was comfortable to me to be obedient to what God was asking. And um, he was asking me to, to lead sisterhood, to take on something that is brand new, um, you know, unknown in our city. And um, with, with a person that, um, like I feel when I look at other leaders that there's, there's things that I'm missing as a leader that I felt needed to be there in order to do, do the job of, of um, raising this up. And so God just said, step into it. There was people who spoke into my life and it was really cool too, because Anne was one of the first people to, that I reached out to like after being at a, a women's conference in village church and just loving the generations that were getting together and learning and growing and just building relationships. And I knew God was asking that same DNA to be planted here in Saskatoon. I kept giving ideas to other people. And finally, my pastor's wife looked me in the eye and she said, I think the one that has all these ideas is the one that God is asking. Um, so, and in it, deep down, I knew it was true. It was just, I, I lead sometimes in fear, um, which I have become, I've realized that it is actually um, a gift to not be confident in everything that I do because I truly rely on God and I truly rely on, on a, a strong team that he brings together with all the different parts. And I think that he's told me he did that and created me that way so that it would demonstrate the kingdom work. You do it in, in, sisterhood you do it in God's family um, I'm not supposed to do everything on my own and sometimes we do if we have those giftedness we're just like oh I could do that or I could you know and, and because I, I don't have them I actually am reliant on other people and I'm reliant on God and so um, yeah so that was a, a step of courage and I'm just so thankful that that I did I was obedient and I just didn't stand behind somebody or beside somebody saying, why don't you do this or that knowing full well that it was God who was asking me to do it. So, Oh, sure. I love that. How many of us women hear the idea, get the sense and go, that's not for me. That's for somebody else that I'm supposed to tell that person to do that or encourage that person or pray with that person to do that. And really God's saying, no, it's you. Mm -hmm. Right. And you feel a little equipped or you don't think you're the right person. He's like, perfect. You're exactly the one I want to use. <laughs> the ill-equipped and the one that doesn't think they should be the one is the one that God's like, great, perfect. Yeah. So it's all about me. So thank you. That's awesome. And Sisterhood, can you just say a little bit about that, what it is? Uh, so Sisterhood is an, a multicultural, multi-generational group of women who gather and empower and mobilize. Um, we've been going for about five or six years. We, where there's all kinds of different aspects to it. Um, one of the um, initiatives that's just coming out of there now is Inspire Our Nation. And Kate Say, if you know who she is, she's taken a lead on that. So we love what God is doing through us. And even as we work together, I feel like there's been so much, um, there's been, 
you know, organic mentorship that has happened. There's been connection. And there's also been God using so many different gifts in through sisterhood. Often back, you know, when I was growing up in the church, if you were a worship leader, if you were a pastor, if you were a teacher, you had your position. You're, you, you knew where, where you served in the church, right? And now that we've got, you know, Joss is an, an example. She's, she's a photographer and she's creative. And, you know, we've used all kinds of different creativity to bring together a beautiful relationship of sisterhood and, and to use it to further God's kingdom. Amazing. Awesome, Char. Thank you. I think, it, uh, Kali, it has been part of your job description. Courage, do hard things. <laughs> From our short conversations, that's just part of who you are. So nailing it down to one story might be difficult, but can you share with us something that has been courageous, maybe something that has been uh, difficult to do in recent times for you? I can. Thanks, Anne. Um, I, I was really excited about this topic. Um, courage is one of our seven grandfather teachings uh, in our First Nation culture. And so, you know, uh, the, the animal that goes along with courage is the bear. And the bear has strength and natural ability to overcome challenges. So it, when you see a mother bear that uh, is approached by a, another bear or another animal, they're very protective. And so the in comes that word, mama bear, right? And uh, so I, I think for myself, uh, trying to lead with, with strength, resiliency, and, and to overcome any fears that I have sometimes is difficult, um, particularly coming from a First Nation lens. Um, you know, we're talking about inclusivity and we're talking about... Um, racism and marginalization and those sorts of topics, it, it, it can be difficult at times, particularly when you're a woman as well. So being courageous sometimes is hard. Uh, you have to get comfortable being uncomfortable very quickly um, in, in some settings. And so uh, in my story, I think for me, the, you know, coming into starting Converging Pathways, uh, leaving my career and following what people in my circle and where I honestly believe Jesus was leading me was to this, was to where I am right now. And I, I, I'm very, uh, it, it's funny, when you step into where you think you should be, it's, it's a different in how you lead. It's different in who you are and how you lead with integrity. And, you know, um, I, I always reflect back, and I'll read it here, Joshua 1.9 is one of my favorite, you know, uh, and it, it's be strong and courageous and do not be frightened or dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And I truly believe that uh, with, with my story, and I almost sometimes feel I'm a stranger in my own story uh, when, I, when I share it, and Converging Pathways has allowed me and, and Chris, who I partner with in this company, uh, we, we really have stepped into, into our stories. And I think that that's, that's courageous. That's sometimes hard to go back and go through. And, uh, you know, whatever your history is and 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 talking about it and sharing and and so yeah I I'm I was excited for for courage for the for the topic because I think you know the stories that everyone has shared here it, it's huge uh, where we sometimes don't think we're being courageous we are you know and uh, when Joss talks about going in and, and you know being a nurse and going in in COVID-19 that's huge that's that's courage yeah so wow 
You know, and as I'm listening to them, I mean, thank you, Kim, Kali, Shara, and Jocelyn. I mean, it's all things that make us uncomfortable. It's a hard thing to do. It's leaving comfort. Like, everything sounds like we left comfort. What we know, what we liked, what made sense. Like, I had a great business. I had great friends. I was comfortable kind of being in the background. I, you know, I'm a mom. I'm a fashion blogger. I can do my thing. And all of these stories that you've shared, have you've had to step out, out of those things and trust God, and the outcome has been amazing. Like, you, I look at where you, you all are now, and it's like, this is where you need to be. But you wouldn't be here if you hadn't stepped out into, you know, in that courage. And your thoughts? Yeah, I think that it definitely, that stepping out, it's actually like a physical movement to go from comfortable to uncomfortable to going from um, being in maybe in hiding to now being in, a, in more of a public role, even uh, facing our fears. Because you can be like by ourselves and, and facing our own fears there, but it eats us up and now actually confronting fear is different. That All of that takes courage. Yeah. yeah. I, think- I love what Kali was saying about the mama bear. That's a good, that's obviously where it comes from, but that whole sense of the mama bear coming and saying, nope, not my cubs, not this, right? I, I, it's beautiful, Kyle. I love that, that imagery. Um, well, we're going to take a short break now. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the importance of inclusion and how we ensure inclusion of all people in our own lives, in our own personal space, home, where we work. And I think what a timely, timely conversation that is needed today. Stay with us. Hi, I'm Melinda, host and executive producer of See Here Love, and I hope you are enjoying our conversation today. Well, you may not realize that See Here Love is made possible by the support of viewers and listeners like you. So would you please consider becoming a monthly donor? Any gift goes a long way in helping us build a community of women and men who talk about real issues and struggles as we navigate our faith together. Well, please go to seeherelove.com now and click on the big purple donate button. Thanks so much. Start your week off with me in your inbox. Sign up for our weekly newsletter today for exclusive content of See Here Love. Blogs, behind-the-scenes footage, and access to giveaways you'll love. Sign up today and let's start our week together. You know, Anne, as I was thinking about uh, this next discussion piece, inclusion, uh, it was it was in the midst of what was happening. Um, it was sort of just before... Uh, the murder of George Floyd, and now we sit in this place, and it's like, this is a timely discussion. And as women who follow Jesus, as women who have platform or have influence at our home with our kids, in our churches, and where we, we do ministry, this is a very, very important conversation that needs to be talked about, and we need to listen, and we need to learn, and then we need to take some action. So I'm excited to be in a very... Uh, learning posture right now to listen to our guests as they share about inclusion and why it's important. Well, I think it's so interesting because it's, this is, yes, very timely. God put this topic on your heart way before all of this was hitting the news. And, you know, as people that are in Canada, as women, we're having these everyday conversations. What do we think about this topic of inclusion, which simply means being included, right? It's, it's our human nature to want to belong and be included. 
even when God you know, calls us, he's like, you are chosen, you are mine, you belong to me. It's his nature, but we're broken people. And we mess it up on this planet so badly. And so I'd love to hear from our guests, Jocelyn, what are, uh, is kind of your perspective on um, inclusion? I know this is a, this is a tender topic. We're all coming really vulnerable right now to one another and saying, hey, this is, these are my thoughts. These are my opinions. This is where I stand right now. So what are the, uh, kind of the importance? How do people ensure inclusion? What are your thoughts on this? It's a wide, grand topic. <laughs> yeah, I, I was talking to my husband. I was like, I really don't know how to answer this. Like, um, and even as I sit here, I did have an answer prepared, but then as I thought about it, I think of a good one. Um, so I was born in Rwanda, and I think a lot of people do know about the uh, genocide. And so obviously it was between two different tribes. And so I grew up um, moving around a lot and have experienced a lot of racism in my life and not being included. Um, but the one thing that I always saw in my parents was that like, the biggest thing for my parents is like to find a community of Christians. They didn't care whether you're black, white, or what, whatever you were. They didn't name people by colors. It was, you just find a community of godly people and that will be your family. So I grew up in that kind of sense and um, having instances of not being included, I think it made me love on people more because I would never want anyone to have that feeling of not feeling wanted. And so I think if we could put ourselves in a position of feeling that feeling of not feeling wanted or not being good enough and thinking, I don't want that for my neighbor, I think we would be able to, to love on each other a little bit better. Um, so I think that would be my story of inclusion is that I don't want anyone to feel that. And because I don't want anyone to feel that, I can include in love and not see color and not see anyone by social status or anything like that because all of it can be taken away from you in an instance like it was taken away from us so yeah Jocelyn I do have a question as a mom what are your thoughts in this current situation as you look at the news as you see mamas on the streets and the pain of losing their sons and daughters yeah. what are your thoughts I think it's, I think it's really, really sad. And I think like my husband and I were talking about it and I'm like, I don't want people to focus on the United States. Like we are in Canada and this is happening here. Like our Aboriginal people that, that, that I would say that's our equivalent. And I think I like genuinely my heart goes out to what's happening in the States, but I'm like, let's not forget what's happening here because, um, I think when I see it, obviously it makes scared for it makes me scared for my children because I can't imagine a mom losing their child or watching your child be knelt on until they they pass. So it is very scary. But I'm like, let's bring that here. Let's make sure that people know that that is happening here. There are moms crying for their children's here. Like they that is happening, and let's focus on that issue too. And that, let's not that be and aside and act like, oh, that's something that's happening elsewhere. It is happening here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Kim, what are your thoughts as you have been very intentional to uh, empower the next generation? And so with that posture, what are, what are some things that you have been doing to ensure inclusivity? Yeah, well, um, you know, a friend posted, uh, and maybe you guys have seen this, racism isn't a new thing. It's just getting videoed. And 
it's not a new thing. Um, my husband and I have been leading our church through a study in Ephesians and even just talking about the Jews and the Gentiles and how um, God wants us to be one people. And he doesn't want, there's no favoritism in the kingdom. Um, and we've been studying through that and it's not a new thing. My mother and father-in-law, they, uh, my father-in-law is black and my mother-in-law is white. They struggled through that. Um, it, this isn't new, but we have the opportunity to look at what's happening right now. It's being put in our face and we need to do something about it, something different. If we keep doing the same thing we've always done, we'll get the same result. So mm -hmm. what do we do right now? I think um, a good friend just uh, posted a video this morning and, and she was talking about how she needed to actually look at what her, what her um, thought life was really like because when she looked at her... Um, her feelings on race and on equality, she thought, well, I don't have any biases. <laughs> but then as she walked through that and started talking to people, she realized how many biases she does have. And, you know, Greg and I, uh, when we ran the girls home, we had a number of First Nation girls that lived with us in that time. And... Um, it was tough to see the things that they had to go through and, and it broke our heart. I'm part first nation as well, but I don't look it. And therefore I get chained. I get treated differently than they did. And some of them I'm more than more than they are. And, and it's just because the color of our skin. And so I think um, the challenges that we're doing the next generation, we need to work towards um, training our, our children and that next generation to make those changes, to really look at our own hearts and minds and to adjust, change that perspective because um, God wants us to be one people. Yeah. You know, Kim, you bring up a good point in that that is the unconscious bias where that if we looked at ourselves and really had a hard look, how many of us have those and what I've been hearing too even online is recovering racist like that's how like people are saying I'm a recovering racist because we all have these things about people and people group that we may not think we do but if we actually drill down we have assumptions we have judgments we have these you know preconceived ideas about people based on color or family of origin learnings or anything like that and I think, you know, as we look at ourselves and next generation, how do we as moms and dads and leaders help next generation mm -hmm. um, address that? That's really important. Yeah, it's good. Thank you. Shar, you have been super intentional in being inclusive. I've been in your space with your women. They're incredible. And how you lead team is so admirable. What are some practical ways that you have implemented? Like there's, you're extremely intentional with who you have on your team. Um, how, what have you done? What are some practical tips you would give to someone who is wanting to be inclusive but not knowing how to yeah. do that? Um, well, first of all, when I saw the word inclusion and inclusiveness, um, I think we can just, we can 
admit um, that it's always a goal and that we've never arrived. So we always have to be intentional with it because we're not there yet. And it, I think it's just going to continually be something that has to be on the forefront of our mind. Are we being inclusive? And just like you said, Joss, when you've walked through not being included somewhere in your life, you, God uses that piece, um, that, that memory to know that that's not how you want anyone else to feel. And so um, I think it's so important. We've done different, we use our platform. We use social media to, to tell the stories. We have faith stories of all different uh, backgrounds and, um, and generations and just every kind of like newcomers to Canada. We, we put their stories on there. We give them a platform. We have panels that we did a, a summer series with, it was called Race, Grace and Misconceptions. And we let the girls speak into what most people think is maybe a trait of a race or something like that, that they, they could speak into why that was a misconception and how, you know, first generational um, refugees or newcomers and then the next generation and how they had to deal with at home. It's very uh, cultural and very, you know, a certain way. And then in the schools, it's a different way and just a lot of um, challenges for them too. So I like, building relationship first it starts with me it starts with finding common ground it starts with appreciating the differences being intentional um, celebrating diversity uh, we had a mosaic worship night where everyone um, could you know we had dancers from Nigeria we had we just what, whatever way you worship maybe it was painting maybe it was this we want we want to see it all and we want to celebrate it and we want the church to be um, a place where it, it's a tapestry all coming together of many, gen, you know, not just generations, but many races, many people. We believe that that's what Jesus modeled. And like I say, it's always um, a goal and it's always a work in progress, but it's, it's really starts with, with me and relationships with people. And then we model that. So that's beautiful. I love how you said that it's, there's a little bit of a difference between the new immigrant and then that first generation Canadian and that you're even leaning into that conversation because my family immigrated from Lebanon. Actually, my mom immigrated straight from Lebanon to Swift Current, Saskatchewan. Like, like a long time ago, <laughs> and uh, uh, but I'm first generation Canadian, so my experience with culture is a lot different. I mean, I can only imagine how starkly different her experience would be. Uh, you know, it's interesting, Kali, that you live in this world. This is what you do. This is, uh, whether it's local or global, you're invited into circles to talk about this very thing with inclusivity and reconciliation. So I'd love to hear from you. Oh, I, I think, uh, I mean, it, it's kind of in everything that I do. Um, and when we talk about equity and diversity and inclusion, it's, uh, it's something that across Canada, uh, I'm, I'm happy about that in Canada because many people, uh, when you look at governments and you look at, at uh, business models, right now everybody's trying to really do this better. And what does that look like? 
Um, you know, and I always look back again to my First Nation. You know, uh, we're a very matriarchal culture. And uh, I, I look back on our medicine wheel, red and yellow, black and white. Uh, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. And I always extend it on to that, regardless of what our skin color is, regardless of creed or religious or race. Uh, you know, we, we all bleed red and we need to, uh, we really need to look at that. You know, we've done a lot of smudging and praying for, for you know, George Floyd and his family. And, and I think one of the most power, powerful things that I've seen in the last you know, week of following different different things coming through, of course, social media and, and different sources was uh, first was the women, uh, the white women that came and lined the street uh, to protect the people that were rallying. That was very, very powerful to me. And that gets me back to one of our comments uh, that we always use, uh, that our Cree people use, and they say, a nation is not defeated until the hearts of the women are on the ground. And that is so true because it is the women. Uh, we, we lead with empathy and we lead with love. And having those voices around the table are so important for inclusion. And, um, you know, the other powerful one for me was, you know, our, our, our frontline police officers bending down on one knee in front of all of the people rallying. They're asking for forgiveness. One person does not speak for all. Their actions are not accountable to all. And we have to, we have to come to that. We need to, to bring all the voices around the table to figure this out together. And unfortunately, that hasn't been. And so when you see companies and organizations and, and nonprofit organizations, everybody trying to do this better, um, there is, there's hope. It gives me a lot of hope. I'm encouraged by it. Um, you know, when I, I, again, I'll use, um, and I'm going to look here what I have, uh, Matthew 25, verses 31 to 44, 44, the parable of the sheep and the goats. It doesn't go by you're black, you're white, you're yellow, you're red. It goes by the sheep and the goats. Who's doing well? Who's doing good? And who's, you know, it, so I, I use that a lot when we're, when we're speaking. And when I look at what we do with Reconciliation Canada, uh, one of our words that we always use is namuyat. And namwayut means we are all one. Mm. So it's it's important, and we have to get there. And so, yeah, that's um, kind of what I have to add. Holly, thank you. And thank you, Kim and Shar and Jocelyn. I think this is just the start of a conversation. I think growing up in Canada, coming here when I was 13, and I've shared this story about the first time I ever feeling racism, that people judged me and made assumptions about me based on my skin color. As a Filipino woman, that Canadians at that time made assumptions about me about just how I looked. And living overseas, I'd never experienced that before because I lived in an international kind of community where everybody was sort of from Kuwait and Dubai and Malaysia and Australia and, and Europe and nobody even thought about color. And then I came here really hard. But I will say for inclusion, it, I really believe that where I am today with the opportunities, opportunities I've been given has been because people said, I'm including you, Melinda. You are a woman, you are young, you're Filipino, but I'm including you because your voice matters. And that was men and women, old and young, Gen Xers at the time and boomers, all together identifying me as a young woman and saying, we believe in you, we believe your voice matters, we want to mentor you. And that's how I am here. And I mean, I love Canada because I've had such, for me, 
Canadians who have loved me and given me opportunity. And in what you're saying, Kali, as we look at, you know, it's going to take all of us to help all of us, you know, get to those places and have, you know, equal opportunities and, and justice. And, you know, and so I'm so thankful for Canadians who believed in me and, and looked past that because I had some really difficult things said to me growing up in, in really important years of my life that, you know, thankful for my church community and the presence of Jesus, because if I'd listened to the lies and the things based on my own race, I wouldn't be here today. And I don't even know if I'd be honestly following Jesus because of the harsh things that were said. And so thank you. Thank you all so much uh, for sharing your thoughts about, you know, inclusion, what it's going to take and your story. Uh, And I know that you have a short devotional um, for us and for the women of Saskatchewan that um, I can't wait to hear. I'm just reminded as you're speaking that, our words have so much power. There's power that are like life giving or death. And as you've just described both sides, a side that actually spoke out, you know, harsh words to you, crushing words. And, and then the other side that countered that with, with life, life giving words and how that caused a transformation in your life. And I just want to throw that out there that it's super powerful. And I know we are a panel of women that live by love. We live out this love. And so, um, as I start, you know, the, the neat thing about Saskatchewan is part of my, you know, heritage too. My mom has some great stories of when she immigrated to Saskatchewan and how people just embraced her, just brought her in at a time that it, I guess, wasn't as you know, common to do that. Um, but what she realized too was that she was in a different atmosphere. It seems to be, Saskatchewan is described as this Bible Belt, part of the Bible Belt of Canada, where there's a heritage there, where the, the, the truth of the Bible has been passed down from generations to generations. If you look at other provinces, it isn't so, but it is in, it is fruitful in uh, the spiritual sense and in the physical sense. We've already talked about how there's like wheat and there's harvest and it's a fruitful land. Um, the thing that I noticed when I went to Saskatchewan was that there's this prairie culture, even the farmer wave, like that is so sweet. It's this hospitable um, culture that is there that it, you're known by love and care and truly carriers of peace and so the devotion that I want to, to just land on is in first Peter actually uh, chapter 1 verse 2b don't you love how the Bible does that's like the second part of the, the same little tiny verse and he actually talks he says here may grace and peace be multiplied to you and that sentence is being spoken over a people that are hurting, they're in trials, they're being persecuted, they're all over the land, there's racial you know, tension, there's so much persecution that is going on. But what Peter comes to say to encourage believers is actually to inject courage and inclusivity, saying, you know, you here, this is my mandate, is that you know that you have this identity, that you belong to God. You are included. You belong here. He sees you. And so he, these, these believers are so deep-rooted in the love of Christ, and he keeps nailing this over and over. I love studying First Peter. It's one of my favorite books. Uh, but in order to understand and to receive the grace and the peace and that multiplication of grace and peace, he cause, he actually lands them on his foundation in verse 3 and 4, saying, you are born to a living hope. 
And that's what I want to remind us truly today is that we have this living hope, this inheritance in heaven where we can access peace and then we can give it away. And so the beautiful part of this book that I love so much is he starts off talking about how peace is multiplied through believers in Christ. And he ends off in the same way saying, Hey, you know what? I've given you this peace and now you give it away. And Saskatchewan, you're so awesome at doing this. And I believe that the rest of the nation is learning how to do this well. Wow. it's good. Thank you, Anne. Well, I want to end with some takeaways from our guests. And Kali, I want to start with you. A takeaway to the women of Saskatchewan or to the women in Canada, as we just finished talking about courage and inclusion, what would be your takeaway uh, for them today? Um, I, I would just say, uh, you know, what we talked about in the beginning was just don't let fear stand in the way. Um, it, you got to step out. And like I had said that, you know, we use all the time is get comfortable being uncomfortable and move ahead. And, uh, Go where you feel led. And I know that's not always easy to do. So, yeah. That's great. Go where you feel led. That's powerful. Thank you, Kali. Jocelyn, your takeaway? <laughs> I mean, I guess it's so simple. It's love your neighbors, you love yourself. Because I think when we can learn to love others, we can be courageous in standing up for them. Um, and I just think that's pretty much what I would say. Love your neighbor as yourself. Powerful. Thank you, Jocelyn. Sure. Yeah, I would say that not to let your perceived inadequacies keep you from doing um, where God is asking you to step and be obedient, and um, he will go with you. If he's asked you to do something, he'll equip you, he'll empower you, he'll bring the right people. And yeah, there's a lot of women out there who have things on their hearts that God is asking them to do and move into it courageously. So I would say, do it and you will just be blessed. Thank you, Shar. And Kim? Wow, like what a time we have been in, in this last couple of months. And I just think, you know, there, there was the closing down and that calm before the storm. And all of a sudden, just we've seen such a storm erupt. Um, and so I think my encouragement to women across Saskatchewan and across our nation is that just like the virus needs a host to be um, spread, so does hope. And we need to be a host of hope across our country. And that is going to take courage and bravery to step up, to do the right thing, to take the risk, to... Um, to fight for what's right and to fight for our neighbor and to love them and, and to, to really spread that hope. And I think, especially as we're moving into opening up things, um, this is going to look different and we need to hold on to the things that God has been speaking to us about. And that's something I'm really, really trying to do as, as life's going to get busy again, remembering those things that the Lord challenged me on, um, in this season and that, um, that I would not lose that, but that he would continue a great work in, in each of our lives that we would move forward in, in uh, courage and bravery. Amazing. Thank you, Kim. Well, thank you, Jocelyn, Shar, Kali, Kim, for your thoughts, for being a guest on See Here Love and just for your, for your courage and your commitment for inclusion in your lives. And thank you as always, Anne, 
for being such an amazing co-host and, and Bible teacher with us. Well, I want to close with this. The motto for Saskatchewan is from many people's strength. And it expresses your multicultural heritage and the contribution of the First Nations and Métis cultures and your key role, Saskatchewan, in immigration, 9,000 immigrants coming to your great province every year. And when I think of from many people's strength, from your strength, Kim, and your courage, Kali, and your faith, Shar, and your resilience, Jocelyn, I can't help but think that together, as I look at you strong women in Saskatchewan, that we can work towards ending systemic racism and injustice and senseless killings and hatred for our indigenous women and people and for those that have different color skin. I am encouraged and thankful for you. And I love that that motto for many people's strength because from many people's strength, we can then move towards peace and inclusion and equal opportunity for all people. And we can love in the way that Jesus has shown us how to love all people and loved by dying for us, for laying his life down for us. And so I'm thankful for you women. I'm so thankful that you're committed to courage and inclusion. And I thank you for this great province of Saskatchewan with this motto, from many people's strength, we can. We can do the hard thing. We can invite everybody to the table. So for more on our guests, you viewers and listeners, please go to seeherelove.com for resources, bios, and other information about the show. And always know, as we end every show, no matter the color of your skin, your past and present experiences, regrets, or circumstances, you are seen, heard, and deeply loved by God. Bye-bye. See Here Love with Melinda Estabrooks is a production of Crossroads Christian Communications Incorporated, a member of the Canadian Council of Christian Charities. To support this program, please visit seeherelove.com and click the donate button or call 1-800-265-3100. And from me and the See Here Love team, thanks so much for your support.